Hello, this is episode 261 and in it, I am speaking with dear friend of Undercover Architect, Sarah Lebner. So this is part two of my conversation with Sarah. So if you haven't listened to part one, head back to episode 260 or you can find that at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 260. You can check that out there. It's definitely worth a listen. So make sure you catch up on that. You can come back to this episode when you're done. Now, in this conversation in part two, Sarah shares some really fantastic information about sustainable retrofitting and renovating and how you can dramatically improve the performance and the comfort of your existing existing home without a huge expense. And she also shares some specific tips to consider when renovating or building either in a regional area, but these tips are applicable to anyone. So remember to, if you'd like to grab a full transcript of this episode, plus the links and the resources that we discuss, you can do that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 261. That's the numbers 261. Now let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in Northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect, and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about levelling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious and you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take and the best way to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget or your dreams. Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode. Sarah has been a guest on the Get It Right podcast before, and in fact, her conversation in season 10 was... Uh, where she and her boss at the time, Jenny Edwards from Lighthouse Architecture and Science, they both talked with me about their work. Now, that was one of the most downloaded episodes in year three of the podcast. It still gets shared. It still gets listened to loads. People love it. And if you haven't listened to it, be sure to check it out. There's a link in the resources for you if you need help finding it. 
Now, until 2022, uh, so earlier this year at the time of recording this episode, Sarah actually worked in Canberra as the principal architect at Lighthouse Architecture and Science, which is an interdisciplinary firm. And Jenny Edwards, uh, who was her boss and the owner of that practice, she's a nationally recognised building scientist. And they really, at Lighthouse Architecture and Science, they really focus on achieving high levels of energy efficiency while studying affordability and buildability. If you haven't checked out Lighthouse Architecture and Science's work and their website, they share loads of information about how they really make their projects happen uh, and, and yeah, wealth of education and knowledge there. Now, Sarah made the big decision to return to her family farm with her family in Tuma, New South Wales. She's now got two small children and uh, moved there with the view to setting up her own practice to really focus on providing leading sustainable design services to regional people and communities. And we heard in the last episode uh, the how and the why of, of this leading Sarah to setting up Kui architecture and the philosophy behind her architecture practice. Uh, and if you know, if you recall, she said that she remembered watching a TED talk and, and I'll quote her. She said, the presenter suggested that sustainable design solutions needed to be enjoyable and beautiful solutions because that's the kind of world we as humans would fight to sustain. And that was really pivotal for Sarah. And she went to, on to say, And I now believe that sustainability doesn't have to mean sacrifice and that in fact, successful sustainability needs to go hand in hand with a better quality of life if we're going to, en masse, be motivated to save this planet. So that's pretty deep, she said, but to bring it back to very tangible examples, she then landed on a on a philosophy of helping regional people build fulfilling lives and examples of what fulfilling might be could be things like living ethically, waking up feeling fresh and inspired or being better connected to country and community. And Kui Architecture is all about connecting regional people with low carbon homes and the fulfilling lives within them. But what Sarah shares is really applicable for all homeowners, wherever they live and whatever type of project they're creating. And I think it's really fantastic to take as inspiration for your own project and think about the multidimensional way that your home can serve you in the lifestyle that you create and in the values that you uh, base your life on. Now, as a reminder, we've got a PDF transcript of this episode that you can download for free with all of the links uh, that we mentioned. You can grab that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 261. That's the numbers 261. Now we kick off this conversation as part two with Sarah sharing some great tips for those that are wanting to retrofit their homes in a more sustainable way. We also talk about the whole idea of renovation being quite misunderstood. Plus Sarah has some fantastic actionable tips to help with readying yourself for your project. You're really big and and you're really big at Lighthouse Architecture and Science as well on performance assessments of existing homes. And then, you know, obviously working with Jenny, you guys did a lot of work in terms of repurposing, uh, refurbishing, improving, renovating existing um, building stock to dramatically improve its thermal comfort and its energy efficiency. And it's, it really is a fantastic first step in renovating. Again, I've got lots of Home Method members where this is why they're renovating. And so it's the thing that they're looking at because they're sick of living in cold, horrible boxes. So now are you doing this with your regional clients as well in terms of any projects that you're working on where you're renovating existing homes and how, how are you actually helping them? Like what do you do when you sort of take them through this process of walking into an existing house and targeting these kinds of improvements? 
Yeah. Yeah. The renovations are a huge issue, um, not just for existing building stock in terms of energy efficiency, but it's also a really big one for bushfire design in Australia as well. Um, we're getting pretty good at lifting the standards of new buildings, but what do we do for all of these existing buildings um, that are below par? And, you know, the really good news is that there's so much you can do. <laughs> um, and so, yes, for my renovation clients, we absolutely build in that existing house assessment, um, which can inform the changes being made. Um, but I think the, the trickier question is what should the retrofit and minimal budget renovation people do? Um, so for people just looking for um, retrofit advice or often there's a staging question in there as well. People are often hear people say, you know, we're thinking about renovating or extending, but we can also do something now, but we don't want to do something now that will then inhibit our ideas later on. So getting that sort of overall master plan idea. So for all of that, um, you know, I always recommend engaging a collaborative energy assessor to help put together that roadmap of um, things you can implement based on the most affordable gains. Um, what I'm currently offering people from my region is a one-off feasibility and a sort of on-the-spot advice visit. And then I can also offer a service to help them connect remotely to an energy assessor so that they don't have to double up on, on getting that consultant out to, to travel and sort of inspect the building. But the the reality is that I would rather remove the need for that one-to-one -one service step altogether by sharing a range of the best resources and advice um, on my website, as well as I put seasonal information in a, a quarterly newsletter. So I think most people can navigate that retrofitting and addressing the low-hanging um, fruit by themselves. There's a little case study on the website of our own house in Canberra. It was our first home that we bought um, and how we reduce the heating and cooling needs in it by 60% spending oh, wow. less than, yeah, we spent less than 10 grand doing oh that. Gosh. Yep. Um, so it's all listed there, what we did. And another put the link great, in the resources. Yeah, good. <laughs> another great place to start, one of my favourite websites is greenatyourself.com.au. Lish Fayer runs with little short videos showing you how to do all of these things. Um, so I hope your listeners can check out those couple of resources before they all email me trying to book a feasibility <laughs> visit. <laughs> yeah, I will definitely put those links. So that was Green It Yourself, was it? Yes. Yeah, I'll have to check yeah. that out. I've not seen that one. So it's. I think, um, yeah, lots of people sort of assume that it's going to be insulation, double glazing, those kinds of things. But obviously, um, it's going to be to, it's going to be specific to your climate and the condition of your existing home and uh, getting that energy efficiency assessor on board um, definitely uh, can make a big difference to understanding the incremental gains and where the budget comparison might be to those incremental gains. So yeah, exactly. One of the biggest misconceptions is is the upgrading the windows. You know, windows are really important, but they're also one of the biggest biggest ticket items. So often they're a little bit further down actually for those really tight budget retrofits in, in what you're going to do. Usually it's, you know, draft ceiling, really excellent draft ceiling and, and get hand in hand with getting your ventilation right to get that moisture out of your bathrooms and kitchens. Good window dressings, um, uh, up, uh, upgrading key appliances like your hot water system. Then you're looking at insulation from the roof down and then usually windows sort of come after that in a most your most typical sort of order of um, 
thing. So in that case study from our own house, we did all of that except the windows um, because obviously we wouldn't have been able to replace the windows within that 10K budget. I was going to (laughs) say, yeah, (laughs) that budget that you weren't doing windows, but massive, like to be able to achieve a 60% reduction without doing the windows, that just shows how dramatic the changes can be and how much things like air tightness, you know, draft, um, the management of drafts and also doing that hand in hand with ventilation. So you're not creating a box that then uh, causes problems with mold and condensation that that's, that's really tremendous. So definitely I'll, I'll share that link and, um, uh, everyone can check that out. Cause I think that's really useful information and that kind of stuff, obviously, you know, that's a Canberra home, so it'll be a specific climate exactly. region, yeah. but there will be translatable, um, ideas from that with your own climate region. And then that's why getting an energy efficiency assessor who can work collaboratively with you, um, uh, to identify how this might impact your own climate region, um, is, is so worthwhile. So you can understand, whether, um, but I, you know, as you said, I think that the the order of hierarchy probably pretty apply pretty much applies on all climate regions. It's just then the the level to which you need to enhance and change things, probably um, is what's impacted. Um, I know that you're really um, happy. You're really passionate about helping homeowners consider renovation over a knockdown rebuild, and it's something that I know in your previous um, work in lighthouse architecture and science. You know, it was a very big part of the work that you were doing there. There was actually showing people that they didn't have to knock down and rebuild their home; that they could repurpose what they were working with. And that, you know, it actually can sometimes be a better approach than knocking down and rebuilding a home. So can we talk about this for a bit? Because I know that you've got very strong ideas about this, which I I am in total agreement with and I absolutely love. So I'd love to share them with the undercover architect community because, you know, a lot of people I imagine, you know, I know lots of people reach out to me debating this pathway, don't know which way to go, um, don't know how to sort of tackle it, you know, and they're feeling frustrated by their old home. So how do you sort of help people uh, navigate this themselves? Yeah, this is a soapbox I'm desperate to jump on. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) Uh, When we say the term renovation in our society, most people think of quite tight budget, superficial fixes, and we have this stigma of thinking that we're just patching up an old and worn out house. And then at the other end of the spectrum, in new builds, people will pay a premium for these beautiful recycled elements or repurposing historical craftsmanship. Um, So there's a bit of a mismatch there. And there's this project type in the middle that I think we almost need another name for. Like it's it's a different type of project. Um, and I've started talking about it as saying it's a new house with some in situ recycled elements. <laughs> um, and what that often looks like is a budget that's around 75% of what the equivalent new build would be. Most of the house is new. So, you know, typically there might be rejigging of some rooms, it's new windows, maybe there's a small extension. You're reusing most of the structure, walls and roof frames and footings. You're often keeping the roof. Um, Some of the existing service lines are retained. A lot of your landscaping and garden is retained. And some things like beautiful timber floorboards or brick walls or maybe that uh, on-site that you renovated five years ago can be kept. And, you know, the funny point is some of those items are actually better quality than what you would install new anyway. You know, your classic example is to have these um, beautiful hardwood frames in an old house or lovely timber floors that, that you just wouldn't get again. And other elements will have really lovely history that should be treasured because someone else spent hours making it with their hands. And we should really value that a bit more as a society, I think. 
So, you know, people are often a bit shocked when when you suggest that you'd spend 75% of a new build on a on a renovation. But when you think about it, a, a really significant, is, is it really a significant renovation what you're looking at? Um, you know, new good quality windows, new electrical circuits, new insulation, that probably means it's more re- practical to replaster most of the home. It means you've got new fittings and fixtures. Then you've got the new kitchen, new joinery, probably some new flooring, planting. And if you reflect on all those new things you're going to have compared to a new build, well, what are the most expensive elements in a new build? It is windows and joinery and finishing elements. And labour is just about the most expensive thing on a project and a, and a renovation has just about as much labour as a new build. So it's natural that people do then think, well, what's the point? I may as well start fresh and I can have everything just the way I want it. Um, but but the final point to consider there is that if I've learned one design lesson as an architect, it's that constraints create delight. And Oh, yes, I so agree. <laughs> yes. So, you know, a blank slate project is easy, um, but it can also be a bit bland. And, you know, without those curiosities and the interests that make life wonderful and, um uh, you can compare it to someone's life, you know. Have you have you met someone that has had the most fascinating, rewarding life because of all these interesting challenges that they've had to overcome? And I think houses are, are just the same. And the challenge of working with an existing home often drives these creative and delightful outcomes. Um, but, I mean, the key takeaway there is that for many it will mean um, acknowledging that you're not taking on a simple little tight budget renovation. It really is a different category of project and you are investing in a new home with recycled in-place elements. Um, and, you know, that's a, it's a, we need a new word. We have to change the English language to have something different for this so that we can yeah, get behind it more enthusiastically. I so agree. We'll have to come up with something that's in between the two. Yeah. So, because, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of, renovation that I know my hubby and I have done on the projects that we've worked on and and it's been able to enhance and celebrate the quirk and the character of the existing home whether that was a an art deco Queensland or it was a 1960s double brick home and then in you know basically tell a new story by the new features and the new finishes and and fixtures and and products and everything like that that we added to it and I remember Kevin McLeod saying some time ago that, you know, every time we demolish a home, we tear out a page in the book of our suburbs and our streets um, and the story that they have to tell. And so I do, you know, I, I, I've always felt that people sit one side of the fence or the other there. I've, I find in all the experience I have of meeting homeowners that some people just always want a new home that nobody else has lived in and it's built from scratch for them according to their wishes and wants. And then some people are renovators and they love the idea of having a home that has history and character that they are adding their story to as well. My husband and I, we've always been renovators. I can't even imagine building a brand new house for ourselves. I think if we got a blank sheet, a blank, a blank block of land, we'd probably be buying a building from somewhere, bringing it and renovating. I can't imagine. So I'm really interested to see for you when you build your home in a couple of years, you know, how that, how that experience goes for you as well. But I, um, there's actually a lot of scientific research around the fact that the higher the constraints, the the greater the drive for creativity and and the, the, that relationship exists between those two things. So I, yeah, it really excites me to hear um, how passionate you are about this. And I think that it is a lovely way to think about, you know, I have lots of Home Method members that because of the teaching that I take them through, they've often started with the mind that they were going to do a knockdown and rebuild. And then, you know, I take them through an exercise of looking at different ways that they could renovate their existing home. And all of a sudden they realized that they could probably get 
the footprint to work in their existing house if they rearranged some things, repurposed old rooms for new uses, added on that sort of bolt-on and and got things to work um, uh, differently for them and corrected the orientation in the process and that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah, it's really exciting. And I think it's always worth people opening to their possibilities. One of the challenges always is though, and I laugh about this with members, is that inevitably, if you are renovating a home at some point during your project, you're going to look in the paper online and see that you could have had a metric on five bedroom home for $260,000. Yes, yes. Not real. No. <laughs> it's not a real figure. <laughs> Don't ever think that that's real. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things that. <laughs> Similarly, <laughs> there, there will be a moment where you will turn up on site and be horrified by how little of your house is left. <laughs> I always warn people before that first um, demolition visit and they, you can see it in their face. They're thinking, what have we done? But hang in there. It will be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> now, in terms of uh, people in regional areas planning to renovate or build, I'm wondering if you can share some tips. We do have a lot of regional listeners in the Undercover Architect community. We have, I, I'm regularly in communication with regional members who um, you know, like you say, they have to consider what can they physically get to their site? Who can they physically work with? They're having to change up the relationships that they have with their professionals because they don't have a designer or an architect who can come visit them. And they're also, as you're saying, having to think about uh, infrastructure and a very, sometimes very different demands on a home. So you've got people like us who, you know, we live in a regional area, but, and we have, we have animals and livestock and that kind of stuff, but we don't have that working property sort of thing through to I've worked for clients that had the home that was I think they had their kids were the fifth generation to live there and and they wanted to renovate it um, but they had to also accommodate the fact that they have the you know people come and stay they have workers come and stay they have you know the bank manager has to come overnight because that's <laughs> that's how far away they are from something and they've got you know hundreds of acres and thousands and thousands of head of cattle so how you know what tips do you actually have uh, for people in who are renovating or building in regional areas and um, that you really love to share with the undercover architect community yeah, I've jotted down five points and most of them are applicable to people that aren't in regional areas as well. Good so, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Number one is time. You know, gone are the days of moving in six months after you decided to build a house. And the, the comparison I always make is that, you know, around here there were homes that burnt down in the black summer two and a half years ago that still aren't finished. And those are people who were really motivated to move as fast as possible. So I think that's an important context to have. You'll probably have to wait at least six months to get on a designer's books. Most builders at the moment have wait lists at least a year long or more. Most councils are taking several months to process and approve applications. So set yourself up to expect this and then enjoy the journey. I think life's not a race. So just set some realistic expectations and it won't be as stressful. Number two is to subscribe to Sanctuary and Renew magazines. I think they are the best That's resources in Australia. Yeah. And Renew runs and Sanctuary run some excellent online events, which are perfect for regional people to attend um, and, and access that, that good advice and good insight. The third one is to visit good houses. So, you know, you might need to sort of get out of what you're the norm of what you're used to seeing. And a lot of people haven't really visited houses that um, may, may be anything other than the, the status quo. So I don't mean visit flashy or expensive houses and I don't mean visit, you know, generic display homes. I mean, attend things like Solar House Day, Sustainable House Day or Design Festival Open Homes. And again, many of these now have um 
quite useful online virtual house tours as part of the events, which again, if you're based regionally, you can tap into those. And when you're visiting them, pay attention to things like size, functionality. Um, You can chat to the owners about their power bills and just establish some good references for your expectations. Um, Stop looking at square metre rates. You've touched on this. (laughs) It's a measurement that rewards deceit and poor design. (laughs) And I I think, you know, I'm sure you've said this many times before, our homes are the biggest and most important investments in our lifetime and we need to stop shopping for them the same way we shop for a car or a laptop. Instead, how do you measure? You measure by your values and the total project budget is a far more better figure to look at. Um, and if you do one single thing, get the orientation and shading right for your climate zone, back to basics. You know, I often say that getting that wrong is like deciding to park your car in the sun for the rest of your life. Win- <laughs> winter sun and summer shade um you know again i run through the basics on my website and for regional people yes you can enjoy and open up to your view um in really smart ways that are still in line with solar passive design and um my sneaky number six is subscribe to my newsletter where I can share my <laughs> tips with you every just once a once a season. <laughs> Excellent tip, Sarah. Thank you so much. That's just fantastic. And we've covered a lot of ground. And I think that, as you say, uh, a lot of the things that apply in regional areas apply in suburban and city locations as well. Um, some And it's all just about how does your property, how does your site, how does your life need to function and how do you create a built environment that's going to serve that? And then how do you actually deliver that built environment, design that built environment so it's in alignment with your values as well that you might have about sustainability, about longevity, durability, functionality, a great lifestyle in and beyond your home. So I can't thank you enough for the information that you've shared. I'm going to pop all of the links. You had some great information there. Oh, one tip I was going to add is when you do go to visit other people's homes, take a tape measure. It's uh, It may seem a weird thing to do, but I've had so many people who have and they just whip it out of their bag because not everybody can kind of look eyeball something and go, oh, that's what three metres looks like yeah. or that's what two metres looks like. So yeah, it's Or a laser if you want to be more sneaky. <laughs> you might not feel as awkward <laughs> walking through someone's like a- house with a tape measure. <laughs> Like a total, that could look really interesting. All of a sudden, a red spot appears on a wall. <laughs> You've got this shifty laser sort of down by your hip. People <laughs> are wondering what's going on. So, um, so yeah, but really, really fantastic conversation. And thank you so much for your generosity. As I said, I'm going to put all the links in the resources so that everybody can find you. Uh, your website is a it's a beautiful exploration and a great example of uh, to other architects and designers of how to craft a very useful and informative website for clients to understand what it's going to be like to work with you so I really commend you because obviously being this new adventure for yourself this new business it's um I can imagine it's been a labor of love to to really figure out how you're going to position yourself and and what you're going to sort of offer and deliver as an architect so thank you so much Sarah super excited for you oh thank you Amelia Oh, I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Sarah. She is someone who always delivers. She always has great wisdom and experience to share. And she's so generous with it, largely because she's got such a passion to help improve the sustainability and livability of our homes. And I'm always super grateful for how she shares it with the Undercover Architect community. Now, remember, you can access a free downloadable PDF transcript of this episode by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 261. And I've also got links there where you can learn more about Sarah. You can check out Kui Architecture's website. 
Uh, I've got a specific link there for her own project that she talked about in this episode. She steps you through in detail in a blog post that she's written on her um, on her website about the retrofit that they did on their own Canberra home where they spent less than $10,000 to reduce their home's heating and cooling needs by 60%. And she literally steps you through how to do that. In our next episode, I'm going to introduce you to someone who will dive even more into this idea of being able to establish and assess what is the existing performance of your home as it stands. This is something that a lot of undercover architect community ask me questions about and are interested in, really wanting to know when you're looking at your existing house, what you can potentially do to improve it and how you can make informed decisions about that. So you're not just batting at shadows, uh, but you know that what the money that you're going to spend actually will have a meaningful and impactful result on your quality of life and the energy performance of the home. So I'm really looking forward to you hearing from this guest because she's really passionate about the work that she does. She's really passionate about educating homeowners and she's got some great information to share with you from an energy efficiency perspective about how you can use data to inform your decisions and the services and people that you can access to help you do this right now. So it's going to be really awesome. Remember, if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others, uh, rate and review it on your platform of choice. And yeah, really, uh, if you can spread the word, it really does make a big difference to it reaching those who need to hear it and helping me make the podcast happen. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time. Bye.